Well, good morning. I invite you to please open your Bible to Romans chapter 16, the very end of the, the letter to Rome. You can find that in your pew Bible on page 950, page 950. This morning we finish our sermon series on the greatest letter ever written, contained in the canon of Holy Scripture. Liam, really? You're a member of the church and now you're going to interrupt. All right. <laughs> We're finishing our sermon series in the greatest letter ever written, contained here in Holy Scripture, Paul's letter to the church in Rome. We started way back in December of 2012, December 30th, 2012. This is my second time preaching through uh, Romans. I've, I've made a, a vow to the Lord, if you will, that I would do that every 10 years in ministry. And I, uh, early on in this series, would look back and refer to those first sermons and quickly put them in the waste bucket because I had no idea what I was trying to say back then. But uh, the Lord's been faithful during this time. And so it's fitting that on Labor Day weekend, we complete together this labor of love. Let's read together. Please listen to Romans chapter 16, verses 17 to the end of the letter. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cortus greet you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. If you were to ask a Sunday school class, name the Gospels, the students would undoubtedly call out Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and they'd be right. Those are the four Gospels of the New Testament. But I would argue that there's no statement of the Gospel in the Bible more clearly, carefully, passionately presented than this letter to the church in Rome. There is simply no greater letter ever written than Romans. It is a systematic summation of the doctrines of grace and covenant theology. It masterfully ties the two testaments, old and new, into the one history of God's redemptive work. And in this letter, 
through the spring and, and summer as we've investigated and applied its teaching, teachings as to how we're to respond to God's grace found only in Jesus Christ. Rightly understanding our place in God's world, it, it, it applies today. These words are relevant. They've come alive for me, and I hope and trust for you. In a single sentence, I would tell you that the letter of Romans is about God. Romans is about God. It's about God's power to save. Read it, and with the aid of the Holy Spirit, plain as day, every word, every sentence, every chapter, the righteousness of God is through faith for all who believe. And all of that, my friends, is good news. It's gospel truth. I've shared the, 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 the plan of salvation. It's known as the, the road of Romans, using scriptures out of Romans countless times with people to share about Jesus. It's all here. All in one letter. Who needs to be saved? Why we need to be saved? How God provided for our salvation. How we receive salvation. And what the results are of salvation. What difference does it make? And you've heard me say many times, it makes all the difference in the world. So the Apostle Paul gives us a mountaintop view of the whole scope of theology and Christian doctrine. So brilliant Uh, So amazingly profound in the way it has shaped the church and worldwide revivals of the church for two millennia that I am convinced the first words in the letter, if you want to look there, are true. The very first words penned, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, a sent one, set apart for the gospel of God. Friends, I'm convinced that every word in this letter is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's revelation. It's the curtain being pulled back, revealing God's judging and saving righteousness in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the the sub-theme under God. It's about God's righteousness. In the cross of Christ, God judges sin and yet at the same time manifests his saving mercy and grace for all peoples. It tells us what we need to know. It tells us what was and and what is and tells us what will be. It shows us what our destiny will be in God's eternal plan. And it offers to us the answers to life's biggest questions. And it's been our prayer, Pastor Andy's prayer and mine and our elders, that this long series in the book of Romans, by God's grace, would enhance your understanding of the gospel and and biblical theology to, to equip you, to help you grow in your relationship with God. But more than that, that it would enhance our worship as a church, as a family of faith. Let's turn our attention now to these, these final verses, this final instruction and greetings from, from Paul, uh, starting with verses 17 to 20. Notice there's a striking contrast to what proceeds. Uh, just before verse 17, uh, we have Paul sending greetings from Corinth. He's writing in Corinth, and he's sending this letter 
uh, to the brothers and sisters in Rome. And he has these words, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. And the theme that we've covered in, in the spring and summer, this last few chapters of Romans has been this idea of, of the unity of the church, of loving one another, of, of caring for the family of faith, of despite our differences, welcoming and accepting one another. And Paul's been very pastoral and, and thoughtful in, in his choice of words of, of how he wants to bring people together. But verse 17 has a bit of an edge to it, doesn't it? Paul has here an urgent appeal with three final instructions. So if you're taking notes, just write down one, two, and three. This urgent appeal. Look at the first one. He says to watch out. Watch out for false teachers who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to what you've been taught. This warning is a stark contrast uh, to the section that's just preceded it about about uh, setting aside our differences and coming together uh, despite those non-essential issues. Uh, here we see in verse 22 that, that Paul had a scribe, Tertius, who was writing the letter for him. He was dictating it to him as was the custom of the time. Some scholars believe that the tone of verses 17 to 20 is so stark that perhaps Paul himself picked up the pen and wrote these words down, this urgent warning like any good pastor, Paul's concerned for the spiritual health and welfare of the Christians in Rome. Do you think Paul would issue the same warnings today? If he was standing here in, in the pulpit, do you think he would have for Nielsville and for the church in America and the church of the world these same warnings? Is there cause for concern today? That there are false teachers out there who do not serve the Lord Jesus but are self-serving, who seek to sway people from God's truth and beauty and God's word? Would Paul issue this same urgent concern today? Just a few months before the powerful earthquake and tsunami crippled the uh, Fukushima plant at the center of Japan's nuclear crisis, government regulators had approved a new 10-year extension for the oldest of the six reactors at the power station, despite the warnings about its safety. This plant was commissioned in the year of my birth, 1971, and when it came online, it churned out efficient, clean energy for the island nation, and the people were told it was safe. Well, it was safe. Safe against a powerful earthquake, but not safe against a powerful wave. And now the critics, in hindsight, are, are uncovering unhealthy ties between the power plant operators and the Japanese regulators that, oversee, that were overseeing them. And now not only is that plant shut down, but all the plants across Japan are shut down. There is no power running. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive. Friends, I think the same warning is being issued to the church today, but not about uh, energy and not about nuclear power plants, 
but in issues of spiritual and world concern. The sirens are going off. Are they being heeded in the church of Jesus Christ? Paul says, don't be naive. Christian unity is in gospel truth. It's not in setting aside truth. It's not in buying into the idea that, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. We can agree to disagree and and in in making that uh, kind of deal with one another, then we'll be unified. No, that is naive. It's not enlightened. That is, according to Paul here, immature. Paul's final instruction, numero uno, don't be divided over the truth. Avoid those that would divide you. Second, look at verse 19. He compliments the Romans and encourages them. And then he says, be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. That's Paul's second final instruction. Well, what does it mean? Well, I think it means that you are responsible to exercise discernment about what you are being taught in church and what your children are being taught in church. And not only in church, but in school and online and in the media and podcasts. In fact, in all of life, we are to be discerning. What does the old hymn say? Trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to what? Trust and obey. Oh boy, that was terrible. On my part, not yours. I'm dating myself. That was written in 1887, so really dating myself. A moody crusade. We're to trust and obey. That's what we're taught. But there are more than one way of trusting and obey. There's at least two. There's blind obedience and there is discerning obedience. And we want you at Nielsville to be discerning. Not to follow blindly, not to just nod, but to look deeply at what we teach. First Paul says, watch out for false teachers peddling something other than what the apostles taught you. And second, he says, be discerning. Be wise about good and evil, right and wrong. Friends, you need to take responsibility to test what you are being taught, to hold it up to the evidence of Scripture. As we've we've worked through this series, um, I've heard folks say to me time and time again, I have never heard a sermon on that text before. And sometimes it's, it's exciting that the, it's said in a way that seems like it was good. And sometimes it's, it's said in a way that sounds like it was hard or, or, or confusing. But time and time again, the response you've given to me and Pastor Andy is, I've never heard a sermon on that passage of Scripture. Or some have said, I've never even read that. Is that in the Bible? For many of us, This is the first time we've heard some of this. And it's been challenging. And and sure, it's challenging to listen to me yap on and on, especially when our attention spans in 2014 are getting smaller and smaller. But I think the challenge, the struggle for, for some of the hard parts, is that we are not discerning. We are not too discerning about what the Bible actually explicitly says about who God is and who we are in such detail. 
The struggle is, I, I've, never, I've never heard this. Is that really there? Well, now I've got to deal with it. Now that you've brought this up, now I have to make sense of it and apply it in my life. So why go through a whole book? Why not just hit the highlights, the high notes? Why didn't Pastor Andy and I just, just cherry pick the parts that are most encouraging and uplifting, something that you could uh, put on your refrigerator and, and, and hit the day with a big fist pump? Why go through the whole thing when so many parts are confusing and hard and difficult? Well, it's because at Nielsville we believe that God's Word changes lives. And so we eagerly hear it read and proclaim it and even, even wrestle with it each Sunday. We're committed to expositional preaching, which is a method of preaching that takes a particular passage of Scripture, draws out its meaning about God and ourselves and the world, and then applies the meaning of that passage into our lives. And, and we give thanks each Sunday morning that God speaks out of His Word into our lives when we open it together. Now, if those words sound familiar, they should because they're on our website for all to see. If you're coming to Nielsville, we put the word at the center of what we're doing on Sunday mornings. We don't promise smooth talk and flattery, just the truth, man. So watch out, be discerning about spiritual things, know a lot about your faith and very little about evil junk that's out there. And finally, verse 20 His third instruction points us back to the triune living God. God the Father promised way back in Genesis 3.15 that Satan would be crushed. He says it's going to be crushed soon. And some of us are like, how long, O Lord? How long? But he promises that he will be crushed under our feet. And that God the Son promised never to leave us. And that God the Holy Spirit confirms both that peace and that power and that grace into our lives. This past spring and summer, our sermons have had a lot more uh, in the way of practical application points. But none are more relevant than this. Trust Christ. You could probably sum up most every application point of my sermons and Pastor Andy's with these words. Trust Christ. Just tell me what to do. Trust Christ. I, I need five points. One through five. Look to Jesus. Trust Christ. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Avoid, be discerning, and look to Christ. So in in these final instructions, Paul gives us an application that we can apply to all sorts of situations. Number one, does it agree with Scripture? What you're being taught, what you're being exposed to, what you're seeing out there in the world, does this line up with what God's Word says? Or is it just words or teachings that kind of itch a scratch? Number two, does it glorify the Lord Jesus Christ? Or or does it have a self-serving, egocentric purpose? And number three, does it promote goodness? Does it promote kingdom values where there's a king and he is ruling over all the universe? Does it point us to the goodness of God? 
Verses 21 to 23, we read of Paul's wide circle of friends sending their greetings from Corinth to Rome. Uh, Pastor Andy preached two weeks ago with all that list of names of folks they wanted to mention. I only had a few, but I want to take this opportunity to publicly thank Pastor Andy for his partnership uh, throughout this sermon series and this shared endeavor. And then finally, we have a doxology, a fitting end to the greatest letter ever written. Verse 20 is a benediction. A benediction is from God to you. So when we end this morning's service, we will have a benediction, God's blessing upon you. A doxology is from you to God or from the whole church to God. And so we'll end with this final doxology, verses 25 to 27. It's a final summary of the gospel and it actually mirrors the opening of Paul's letter. So it's a beautiful bookend to the whole letter and to our long study and to the end of our summer season. I'll we'll close with reading those verses and then Pastor Andy will come up and lead us in prayer. But I want to give you my final instructions. And I have five because three just wasn't enough. So let me lend to you a final instruction as we end this study in Romans and pray the Lord will allow that in 10 years time we'd have the opportunity to go through it once more. Number one, final instruction, love one another. It's been our theme throughout the spring and summer, to love God and to love one another. Nielsville, we need to love one another. We need to care for one another. And I would strongly urge you to join one of the new small groups coming up this fall so you can get into close contact with the people around you. If you just show up on Sunday morning for an hour, you're not experiencing all that God has in store for you and promises for you in our community. Love one another in close fellowship. Number two is prayer. Paul ends with prayer. Mealsville, we need to pray. I'm so thankful that our elders have, have started praying every Sunday morning and you're invited to be a part of that. And it's going to continue into the fall. And I pray that you carve out time in your schedule to come early and to come often, to join us in prayer and to pray on your own at home for our church. Number three is praise. Next Sunday, we go back to two services. And I get the joy and honor of praising God twice on a Sunday. I pray that you come to praise him. Don't schedule it in like, well, I guess I could hit it hit Neilsville once this month, and, and maybe, well, I'm pretty busy between now and, and Thanksgiving, but come regularly and join us to praise him. We kick things off next Sunday. The 14th in, in a couple of weeks is bring a friend to church day. Let's do that. Let's bring friends to church. And then on September 21st is the all-church picnic. Number four, uh, whatever life has in store for you, the hardships the difficulties, the trials. If we've learned anything from this letter, it's that we can be confident in God, to trust that God has a plan. So let that be in the forefront of your mind. Whatever is hitting you this fall, God has a plan. Lord, you are sovereign. You are in control. And when I trust that you have a plan in all this, I want that confidence in Jesus. And fifth and finally, I wrote the word serve, but really let us live to the glory of God. Let's live to the glory of God together as a church. Listen now to these words as we go into a time of prayer. 
Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long, long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together.